Hello and welcome to Allegheny County Libraries. Let's get lit. Well, this is where we talk about exciting titles so you, our patrons, can know what to read next. We will be talking about hot new titles to the library and also still burning titles, which may be older but are ones we have loved. Let's Get Lit is available in video format on the ACLS YouTube as well as in podcast format on Apple, Google, and Spotify, so you can subscribe for updates when we release new episodes. Let's Get Lit will be bi-monthly and we would love your feedback as we do this. Contact information will be in the description as well as at the end of the episode. Any titles mentioned will have links to our catalog in the description as well. Now, let's get lit. I'm Allie. I'm Shane. I'm Laura. And welcome back to Let's Get Lit. Today's episode we are going to be talking about retellings, and these could be retellings or remakes of any kind. So it could be movies, it could be fantasy, it could be fairy tales, anything like that, but uh, we'll get more into that. So first are just what kind of retellings or remakes are you drawn to? The original story, I like to see what somebody else does with it, or an idea, like an original idea. Yeah. And then to see what they do with it, how they progress the character, to give it from another perspective from somebody in the story. Yeah. I think that's really interesting because it really does change how you see everything because nobody thinks they're the villain. Yeah. Like the villain doesn't think they're the villain. The villain perspective is always so a good one. It's interesting to, to get that the story from somebody else's perspective. I know I tend to be drawn to fairy tale retellings because there's so many of them. They're really easy to find. There's a lot of stories that you don't even realize are like fairy tale retellings. In mythology, Hades and Persephone's retellings are top tier for me. But Shakespeare retellings, if it's a Shakespeare retelling, it's in the Amazon cart and ready to go. If it's <laughs> free order. Because I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I hate reading Shakespeare. It makes my head hurt. But the retellings are so good. I was going to say, um, I think that more recently I'm drawn to things that, that for me started out in a, a good place uh, conceptually but weren't executed very well. Like There's been tons of remakes of you know recycled properties over the years, mostly um, you know public domain stuff. I'll stay on brand here and talk about Dracula, like the original um, book I don't think is very good. I don't think the depiction of the undead and the afterlife is very um, well thought out. It's kind of uh, scraped together from other things that he learned from mythology and whatnot. But um, adaption of the book called Nosferatu by F. W. Murnau. And Are you talking about the black and white? Yeah, silent movie. Okay, not the making of the right. right that's movie, kind of okay. which is also yeah. good. Um, but this the uh, depiction of Dracula or, or the. Dracula adjacent character in the film is more of an animal than a gentlemanly um, seductor. Like this is a predator that's going to, like you know, is going to eat you. And yeah. not in a nice way. Right. <laughs> You're not going to enjoy it. No. It's, there's, no, there's nothing to worry about it. There's nothing to worry about it. He looks like a, an animal that, that comes out at night and yeah. feeds on blood. Yeah. And, uh, God. <laughs> but it's And then Bram Stoker's Dracula, the 1991 movie by Francis Coppola, which was indebted to the book, the original story, but it added um, fantastical uh, supernatural horror. And um, the. Also, Keanu Reeves, 
Who spoke like he was from California. No, I revisited that for Halloween. He, he nails it. He nails it. Oh, he does, yes. does he? Especially in the latter half of the film. Really? Yes. It's the worst. Because he's shell-shocked because he, you know... He so gets, he develops a California no, surfer accent? I don't think that's, I don't think that's accurate. It is accurate. It's accurate, Shane. Okay, well, you will decide as if you are. So maybe I'll give it a try. It's See, I fantastic. just, I kind of replace the same character in every film. He just changes his outfit. So that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but can you, do you think that, like, when Bram, Bram Stoker wrote Dracula, that he had any idea or could even imagine what he created and all of the spin like I read Dracula's Child, which we have, which is phenomenal because it takes the the um Harker, Jonathan Harker family mm-hmm. and like how that like how their lives are after Dracula. So it it was really good. It was I actually liked it better than Dracula. Yeah. That's the historian, the whole, like it, there's just so many I just read uh, A Diary of Blood, and it's from the point of view of Dracula's wives. Mm-hmm. And oh, I saw that. I don't know if we have a copy yet, but I asked it's, Well, it's self-published, so and it is fantastic. I've heard good stuff. I and it's get it. like uh, we're following one of them, and she's like writing letters, and you know at the beginning that she has killed him, but you don't know why, because she's like, you know, I love him so dearly, but it's kind of about um, the abuse. Yeah. Because, you know, he was this all almighty thing and like considered himself like the god of everything and he's Dracula. But it was fantastic. I was like this and I personally didn't care for Dracula, but all the remakes of it are so much better. It's in the books that like you feel like you have to make yourself read your this is really dumb. Yeah. There's some stuff in the margins that are really that's really interesting. You know, even when I was a high school I read it, I was like, well, well this, you know, provides sub school and mm-hmm. um, all this stuff that's kind of unexplained, I think is the most powerful in that. Yeah. Yeah. It gets a little bogged down in the vampire hunting yes. section. Yes. I'm like, oh my god, move on, yeah. move on. Yeah, it's yeah. But, but can you imagine creating a well and not even really creating but but like Adapting yeah. a historical well, like, figure and having that much like Dracula has like no page time. Mm-hmm. He has like <laughs> the first twenty pages and then it's yeah. not heard from again until the end. Again. And to be that iconic, best retelling titles you've read or seen. We just went on a whole spiel. Of yeah, Dracula-based one. <laughs> I mean, my favorite retellings. I- I've already talked about most of them. But I really like what um, Robin McKinley does and what Gregory Maguire do with the fairy tales. Like Confessions of an Ugly Stepsister is phenomenal. Um, and of course, like Mirror Mirror is excellent. But I just like, he, he literally flips them. And then Robin McKinley also does like, she doesn't uh, bring it from the villain's perspective, but she just kind of makes them more historical, I guess, like makes them more real. Yeah, so I really like her too. So I like things like that, and then a lot of people like the Disney villain series, mm-hmm. and we have all of those. Um, those are really good. So if you like that, and the villains, there's actually a romance erotic author, Katie uh, Rob, Robert, I think is her name. Um, but they're all on Hoopla, and they are incredibly popular right now hmm. for anyone interested. Are they officially licensed Disney stuff, or is this? Uh, yes, because they're those ones are. Yeah. 
Because they're not the they're not the fairy tale character, they're the yes, Disney, Disney character. Yeah. So I, I don't know I don't know why fairy tales are so interesting retold or legends are so interesting retold, but I guess it's because they're just so good you want to see I think they're familiar where they go. Yeah. You throw up knowing kind of well semi the original Disney I think has taken over. Yeah. A lot of yeah because this were more super dark and weird and well, politically and driven and as you get older you 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 know fairy tales aren't so real anymore and yeah. you want to see the dark things that they go through you want to see them actually go through like trials and tribulations and all that stuff so not even retelling it focuses on more of the hard truths of the world is more interesting just putting them in a new perspective yeah plus it's good for storytellers because they don't have to do a lot of character building because yeah. it's a building character. Yeah, they got a fan base already. Yeah. I think, you know, because those uh, original uh, fairy tales have a strong moral uh, center of, you know, you must abide by this uh, common morality um, or else you're, something horrible is going to happen to you. So it's used to teach children at a young age you have to listen to your parents or um, tell the truth or whatever it is. Um, don't follow the woman in the woods or whatever it is, um, instills in them a lifelong fear of uh, whatever it is that's trying to get across. I think Pinocchio is one of the, the most horrifying. Pinocchio is terrifying. <laughs> and it, even the, the Disney movie, the animated one, um, is it even pared down from from the original book, which is Pinocchio is a little shit the entire time. Yeah. Um, he does horrible things the entire time. Nobody and, likes the actual Pinocchio. Right. Even in the cartoon, he's annoying. Yeah. But the things that happen to him, um, you know, he's preyed upon by the uh, the the men, more or less, the highwaymen, and then taken to the uh, island where he sees his friend turn into a Which donkey. is terrifying. Yeah, it's one of the scariest things ever depicted. What in the world? But um, Guillermo del Toro was about to do a live-action version of that. I saw sounds, that. Yeah. I saw... Um, Something about that on YouTube yeah, where it's been in gestation for a long time. It's been done a couple times, yeah. Pinocchio, because it's interesting. But the Disney cartoon was terrifying yeah. as a kid. Like when that kid, well, he should not have been smoking a cigar no. and drinking pool. If he would have been drinking beer yeah. and playing pool, yeah. he would have been a donkey. Yeah. But yeah, that was that is that whole island. If you really like think about what was happening there, very terrifying. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this retelling. Uh, in the translation between Robert Heinlein's Starship Troopers as a novel, which is a typical sci-fi action adventure with um, militarized force going out to defend the colony, more or less, and then the um, adaptation by Paul Verhoeven into the Starship Troopers movie, which came out in 1997, where it flipped that into a satire of uh, American interventionism and um, you know, misguided patriotism where Americans are more or less the Nazis in the scenario, but Shame. it was packaged as a, uh, you know, a big blockbuster sci-fi spectacle. And uh, still to this day, people don't realize that it was supposed to be an indictment of, you know, America. It. It's, it's excellent. It's super gory. Um, I wouldn't. I would expect nothing less from your recommendation. Yeah, I'm rushed. But it's very. The, the writing is very. Uh, you know, satirical. All the characters are in their group, and they're trying to make it. Uh, in you know, this military society where they have no 
concept of the harm they're doing, like they're invading another alien planet that they see as uh, a threat, but they're not. They're just defending themselves since, you know, a lot of stuff going on in the world at the time. One of my favorites is Roses and Rot by Cat Howard, which is a Tam Lynn retelling. Um, I might be pronouncing that wrong, but that's a Scottish tale about um, Tam Lynn being rescued from the Queen of the Fairies. I love anything with fairies, the fae in them. I don't know what it is about the fae, but this one doesn't really, you don't get a lot of the actual fairies in it, and it's more about an academy for artists who go and only a select few get chosen to like really be, you know, to get fame and fortune from this, but they have to go through all these trials and whatnot, this academy to get to that point to see if they're like worthy. And Kat Howard, just her writing is incredibly whimsical, but also has this really dark undertone to everything. Um, so you they just have like this constant, like something is going to happen. There's this slight suspense, but it still feels like light and airy at times. So yeah, it's it's basically about what, what we do to go for all that and at what cost at the end of it. And it doesn't help that her, her sister is also there and only one of them will make it. Some things on the line. But Cat Howard is, for fans of Neil Gaiman, I think they've even written some things together. Very comparable in writing style. Oh, a retelling, people might not know it's a retelling to a lot of these. Yeah. Some that come to mind, these ones I think have become more well known, but 10 Things I Hate About You is The yeah. Taming of the Shrew. She's the man with Amanda Bynes. <laughs> it's a 12th night retelling. Um, and actually, Empire, the TV show, is um, heavily inspired by King Lear. Shakespeare. Yeah, those are all Shakespeare. That's what I go for. <laughs> uh, Clueless is based on Jane Austen's Emma. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Pride and Prejudice and Zombie is one of my favorite books by one of my favorite authors, based on Pride and Prejudice. Ponyo is a loose adaptation of The Little Mermaid, which is, I think, the best uh, retelling of that story. Characters in the Penny Dreadful series, which is a culmination of all this, like the Frankenstein and books around that time, with uh, taking the uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen um, mode of characters that are in the public domain and telling the best story of them. It is another example of doing it better than the original. But those are all based on original, you know, book characters. Retellings that, that, that like, reimagine something that, like, you already know, but try to give you a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So I really like those. I'm reading one um, currently called People of People of Abandoned Character, which is, like, a reimagining of um, Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. um, this woman gets married quickly and then thinks her husband might be Jack the Ripper. And she's, like, obsessed with the story and gets all the newspapers and is reading about all the victims. And it's, I'm not sure where we're going with it, quite frankly. Like, I don't, I haven't figured it out yet. I, I like, there's one called Caroline, which is about, it's fictional, but based on Carolyn Ingalls. And it gives, because, like, even in the book, she's not, like, she's just kind of on the edge of, like, pause, the star of that show. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it gives the perspective based on her historical life, what actually happened to her, like, her perspective of the story, which you don't ever really think about or get. So I like things like that. And we have that one that's called Caroline. It's in the system as well. And I like that spin on things. I'll look for that. When uh, real-life historical figures show up as um, part of the plot of fictionalized yes. stories. <laughs> Like um, Nikola Tesla showing up in the Prestige to yes. with the cloning machine, and um, as David Bowie, um, yeah. expertly portrayed by David Bowie. Um, yeah, that's one of my favorite tropes is when 
you're reading or watching something and then a real life person shows up to um, comment or uh, be participate in the in the proceedings. Yeah, I think it helps too, especially if a specific story is set in like a time period to mm -hmm. really help you further grasp. Yeah, the anchor. Yeah, because sometimes you can say something's in the time period and that means nothing. Yeah, it's yeah. like over my head. So we're on to just new releases. These don't have to be retellings, just anything that's upcoming or you can't wait to read or what's currently on your TBR. I just read Reprieve and it is one of the best books I've read in a really long time. And we do have it in the system. It is about a group of individuals that end up in Nebraska in this full contact escape room slash haunted house. So full contact haunted house is when like the actors can touch you, mm -hmm. they can come up close to you, they can like pretty much do anything. And you're signing like a 10 plus page release to do this. And it just no. it how these people, this very group of interesting individuals, how they come together and come to be at this place in Nebraska, in this middle of this big cornfield, and just how how the story evolves from there because there's inner workings amongst the people that are in the group that then plays into their experience when they're in oh, a full contact haunted house slash escape room. It sounds like and kind of Saul too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know because I didn't watch any of Saul's because I don't like the like the gory horror. That's not. But yeah. it just the the way that it was written. The author just the writing the dialogue is amazing and lyrical. And it's really, really good. I can't recommend it any more highly than that, but it's called Reprieve. We do have it. It's it's not, it, I think it's like 300 pages. Like it's not a long story. But like, yes. The insights from the characters, because he has people from, all, he has all different um, races and genders and identities and just the way that like their inner prejudices and culture's prejudices, how that plays into the motivations for why they make the choices they do. It's just amazing. During how, the course of running the yes, fun, okay. yes, and how they came to be, oh, that's cool. and how they were coerced into doing this thing. Because the more you're into, you're just like, why would anyone sure. agree to do this? And that's how you start out thinking, why would anyone agree to do this? And then he unfolds internally yeah. and through their stories why, how they ended up there, and that's it's cool. just. It's it is it really is one of the best books I've read in a really really it is it's it's I was just like holy cow because like I was just expecting like a bunch of jump scares and stuff and like yeah. it took it the dialogue is just it's really lyrical and then I just finished Fifty Six Days Later which I read in like a day and a half it's short you can't quit reading it oh is it good yeah and that's one that's set during COVID yes and I thought back to because it. It goes back and forth between the 56 days. Mm -hmm. And so it like starts out where the first case of COVID comes to Ireland. And like I did flip back to thinking about how, how we thought this was going to be two weeks. And then you went to the store yes. and there was no toilet paper. So it did bring me back to that. But also the, the mystery story of who is dead, why they're dead, how they ended up dead, you don't get till the very end. And like the reveal, like I couldn't put it down. I was just, because it's so. It's not Shakespeare, but it, <laughs> but it's super interesting. So that was a really good one. And then um, Crossroads by Jonathan Franzen is out. 
And um, I'm going to read that next. Hopefully, open into the driver. We're going to tonight start that one, and it's gotten really, really good reviews. I have a family member who read it. He's read all of Franzen, and he said it's the best Franzen. Read or breathe. I'm just telling you. That sounds like I need to. Yes, yeah. sounds really good. It has to get through the 47 books I recommended him first. I'm on the second one right now. <laughs> <laughs> Another movie called Freaks. By Todd Browning, who directed Dracula. I just and this is way better than Dracula. I just listened to a podcast about that. About the movie? Uh-huh. Great freaking movie. It, I've never seen it. I've seen oh clips of it, and I've brushed up against it, and I've listened to it because anybody who makes movies that I like will reference that Freaks, yeah. as mm-hmm. like having. And so I, it also makes a minor appearance in Sopranos when Meadow and her boyfriend are going to see it. Anyway, oh, really? yeah. Um, so anyway, um, but yeah, Freaks, I've never seen it though. It's, it's fantastic. It's a free code Hollywood movie. Yes, so like it, sounds, it sounds super disturbing. It is. And, it, and, and it's an early example of humans are the real monsters. <laughs> Human beings are the real monsters. Well, they do change monsters. others the monsters yeah. thing, yeah. Anyway, uh, new releases though, specifically, um, we have The Green Knight in the system now, the DVD and Blu-ray, and that is an excellent adaptation of the poem. Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, or Garwin, depending on who's speaking in the movie, because there's all these different interpretations of uh-huh. the guy's name. Right. Choices that they make with the story deviate wildly from the text, and it's better for it because it, it inspires so much um, discussion. In my experience, there's been so many interpretations of it that make that makes the whole experience worthwhile. The effects are amazing. Also, Dune is a great uh, adaptation. They finally did it. They finally made it good. The new one that's on HBO. Yes. Um, I read. I read the first two books, and then I tried watching. I mean, this was years ago, and then I tried watching the first movie. And I was like, oh my! I was like, what is happening? Yeah. I lasted about ten minutes. But it's great. Yeah. I've seen a lot of really good things, especially. It's, you know, you never know how a book adaptation is going to go. But I've seen a lot of great. Yeah, it's uh, it does justice to the first uh, first half of the first book, I should say, because it's only the first half. And Grim Friends Girls is about um, three girls whose fates are tied to grim fairy tales, and they have to find a way to change their fates before it's too late. And it sounds really good. I've been seeing really fantastic reviews coming in for that, and then. Um, Things that are not retelling related. The Collective is about a woman whose daughter is brutally murdered, and then she's fairly certain she knows who did it, and she wants to get revenge. She ends up meeting with this group of women called The Collective, who are all about getting revenge, but um, a lot of it's kind of acting, or so she thinks, until she realizes that um, they're doing a lot more than acting, and what that means for her. And then All of Us Villains is also coming out, which is basically like a hundred games, but for villains. So, uh, Laura, we haven't had a chance to talk about this on the air. Okay. One of the retellings that I wanted to bring up um, was the uh, novel adaptation of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. One of the best books ever written. You think it's a good retelling of the story? Yes, okay. because it gives you so much more insight. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but... Um, Rick Dalton's inner dialogue is some of the best inner dialogue that I have ever read in my life. And then it really gives you like some insight into the the dramatics and like how he gets there. And yes, I mean, I I hope that um, Quentin Tarantino never quits writing. I hope he just continues to keep writing books his whole life. I could have read another 500 pages of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and not been sad. 
And yes, I think if you like Quentin Tarantino, if you like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, if you like anything having to do with crime, true crime, Hollywood history, pick it up and read it. We have copies. It's in paperback form. I know there's a like a special version. The deluxe version came out yesterday. Yes, and I haven't. I probably won't buy that one, but I will probably look it up if we get it. Are we getting it? Yes. Put that suggestion. It's on my Christmas. Wishless. Okay, cool. Um, I will definitely look at that, but I can't. I mean, the insight he gives, like, into the characters and the way he just dropped, you're like reading along and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Rewind. What did you just say? I will say, when I went into it, I did not know it was like alternate reality and I was very confused at the end. <laughs> because it's written so well. But it's well, like, I was just like, this isn't how Oh, you mean the movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, but the, that's how I wish it happened. I know, but I was just well. like, this isn't how this went. I was like, so I think I texted you and I was like, what is going yes, on? Yes, you did text me and I was like, oh dear God, Allie. But okay, also, so every time, and I've watched that movie many times, every time her voice comes on, she clicks to talk through the intercom to Rick Dalton, every single time I cry. Every single time. I cry for the whole scene where they walk up the hill and yeah. she comes out and meets him in the camera. Every single time. Real historical Hollywood uh, facts and legends into the story of these two guys um, trying to make their way into uh, 60s, 70s Hollywood. Yes. Uh, with real real people and interacting with them, and they have real stories that real location. are probably, probably more fact based than we realized. Getting, you know, as when Tarantino remembers everything, yeah, he, he has, ever heard he, of he has a, um, an encyclopedic knowledge of Hollywood history, and so you're learning about you know other things that happen in Hollywood uh, apart from the fiction that he's creating, and that's that's one of the things I really enjoy about it. I mean, there's some there's a lot of really off-putting stuff in yes. the main characters do. Yep. Like he's not trying to make them as nope. sympathetic as they come across in the movie. No, they're not even close. Yeah, but uh, it was. If you are interested in in Hollywood history or true crime uh, or true crime, check it out. It's it's a wonderful expansion and a retelling of what you saw on the screen. I mean, it just, it's amazing. I can't like it because uh, I'm always scared if I love something so much that because yeah, I, I was nervous. I was mm -hmm. like, he's my Quentin will not do this to me. This is going to be amazing. But you still have that fear. Yeah. I mean, I had to stop myself. I. I would only read 100 pages at a time because I would have read the whole thing in one sitting and not move, but I wanted to like savor it. And I know, I think he has a book deal for what, two more books? Mm -hmm. So I hope, and I wonder, like I literally could read about them for forever because he gives you glimpses as to what might happen. Right. But he really does give you insight into how these characters became these characters. Right. And no, it isn't pretty. Like yeah. Cliff Booth doesn't come out looking awesome. No. Yeah. It's, it's definitely in the school of deep glamorizing Hollywood yep. uh, from the top down to the bottom. Um, and I, I really am drawn to that kind of And it's so interesting how, because Cliff Booth was driving the car that Quentin Tarantino's stepdad drove. Right, yeah. And like, so the scenes of the driving are from his perspective when he was that age. Like, there's so much stuff that you're just like, what is in that man's head? Yeah. I would just love to get in there. But like, everything about it is just amazing. And like, it, I can't. That's also one I can't recommend highly enough. You will, you will be happy if you read it, and you will fly through it and be wishing he would write another one really soon. Well, that's it. I've got, I've got nothing. That's else. it for this episode of Let's Get Lit, and we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. 
Thank you for joining us for Let's Get Lit. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. If you have any questions, suggestions, or want recommendations, please contact us either in the comments section, by giving us a call, or by emailing us at letsgetlit at allegheny